We are starting in a new series uh, on the book of Luke, and um, we'll be doing this for eight weeks, and we'll end with the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And uh, as uh, Gary had mentioned, uh, we have the, um, uh, uh, the privilege of having a doctor of theology attend Living Spring here. And, uh, and so on Tuesday nights at 6.30, I'll be preaching the book of Luke, and then he'll be uh, kind of going over what it was like back then and all the different historical and political and socioeconomic issues that are, are happening uh, at, uh, at that time, at the time Luke was written. And so this morning, it's going to be just a little bit different. Typically, when I preach a sermon, I, I preach, and, and uh, it, hopefully it has some things you can take away that will help your relationships, help your marriages, help your, uh, you, you know, just kind of help navigate through life. This morning, uh, there'll be some of that, but mostly I'm giving you an intro to uh, the book of Luke, kind of who wrote it, why it was written, and, and I'm hoping that uh, by the time you leave here this morning, you will realize that the God of the universe chose a specific time to send his only son for your salvation and for mine. And as I've been studying this week over uh, the first three chapters of Luke, I just kept coming back to that idea that there was a, a period in time that God decided it's time right now. Now, I want to say this just in the beginning, and then we'll, we'll get going. For some of you, you, God has been silent for you. Prior to Luke, it was 400 years of silence. There was a prophet, and then prophesied the Messiah, and then there was 400 years of nothing. And then Jesus burst onto the scene. My prayer for you, not only this Sunday, but in the Sundays to come, that if you're in a place of dryness, if you're in a place that you haven't heard God's voice in a while, or maybe you used to have a relationship with him that was different, and I, was, I just pray that you would get a fresh anointing of his Holy Spirit, a fresh touch from your Heavenly Father through the Lordship of Jesus Christ as you begin to embrace uh, his kingship. And so that's my goal for this morning, even though we'll be talking a lot about facts this morning. So there, I'll give you some facts about uh, the book of Luke. So, uh, and again, if you're new to the Bible, or you're new to Jesus, or you're new to Christianity, or whatever, I'll try to make this as simple as possible. A lot of this you'll probably already know, but there are four uh, books we call in the scriptures the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And gospel just means good news. And what's the good news? The good news is that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so there's four different perspectives with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so with Luke, we just have some facts about him. He was a physician. Okay, he was a doctor, and he traveled around with Paul. Now, this is, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to overthink things, and I started thinking about what type of physician would Luke be, because it's, it's not like modern medicine. So I just pictured him carrying around a bag of leeches or like some old thing that they used to do back in the day. Probably not. But anyway, he was a physician. He was a companion to Paul, so he would travel around with Paul. He was not a disciple. 
He wasn't hanging around with Jesus. He, he was kind of the second wave of those who had, uh, uh, who, who had ministered with Jesus, okay? Uh, Luke is the longest book in the New Testament, and the reason is because Luke is setting out to write a historical document. Luke is trying to document the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so it's, it's pretty long. Uh, it has some really uh, different things in it. One of the things that's different from the other Gospels is it has this journey narrative. And the journey narrative uh, uh, sets his face towards Jerusalem. There's 10 chapters of him on his way to Jerusalem with parables and miracles and all these different things. And so um, that is uh, really cool. Uh, Luke emphasizes the Holy Spirit a lot in this book. And so when you see the birth of John the Baptist, when you see the birth of Jesus, when you see uh, God interacting with Mary, when you see Jesus getting baptized, which we'll see in just a little bit, there's a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit, which is important because as uh, Bible students, we believe in the Trinity, that there's God and he's three persons in one. I can't explain it, so don't ask me to. I'm, I'm, it's above my pay grade, but I believe it, <laughs> okay? It's like electricity. I don't know how it works, but I know I can plug in my iPhone, okay? That's all I care about. And so, so uh, in the book of Luke, you'll see these times where all three are referenced at the same time. It has uh, two of my favorite parables that are uh, nowhere else in the Bible, and that's uh, the Good Samaritan and uh, the Prodigal Son. Those are only found in Luke. And so uh, that, that's kind of cool. Uh, one of the great things about Luke is he focuses on women and the marginalized quite a bit, a lot more than the other gospels. And so he's trying to uh, paint this picture of Jesus um, being for all people, okay, for all, uh, no matter what your paint job is, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, no matter what your education is, no matter what you do for a living, uh, Jesus is accessible to you. And so uh, uh, Luke, Luke does that. And then the other thing is Luke wrote a sequel, okay? So uh, it, Acts is uh, what comes right after uh, Luke. And so when you read Luke, if you want to go, man, I'd like to know more, then just keep reading and you can, you can read Acts. But uh, this morning, I'm going to give you an intro and to try to hopefully get us into the mind of Luke so that when we go over the next seven months, we can keep this in the back of our minds. Luke actually writes to, uh, this is a letter to one person. He wasn't writing to any churches. That's what Paul did. Paul wrote a lot of his epistles to churches. He wrote some to an individual. Timothy uh, was, was one of them. Um, but, Paul, uh, but Luke is writing to just one person. And here's how he starts it off. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So just so we paint a picture, this is, what's, this is what Luke is experiencing. Luke is the second wave of Christians. And so he's experiencing this power of the Holy Spirit. He's experiencing a vibrant life with Jesus post Jesus' resurrection. In other words, Luke is living his life exactly like you and I. 
exactly like you and I. Jesus is risen from the dead. uh, He's traveling with Paul, so he sees miracles. He sees people coming to Christ. He sees people being healed. He's seeing all these things, and he's saying to himself, I got to write this stuff down because a generation's going to go, and then that, that will be it. And so he says... Uh, that has been fulfilled among us. In other words, they're experiencing the church the way it was supposed to be experienced, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So Luke is going around interviewing all the people who ministered with Jesus to try to get an accurate account of what exactly happened. Who was Jesus. And this is very, very important because when we look at the book of Luke, uh, and again, you can be skeptical, uh, like like we say here at Living Spring, you don't have to believe uh, all this before you belong. You can belong to our tribe before you believe, but I want to get you to believe some things. And one of the things I want you to get, uh, I I want uh, you to believe is that Luke really was writing down a historical document. We can take him at his word. And so Uh, They were first eyewitnesses. He says, with this in mind, since this is what I want to do, since I myself have carefully investigated. The other gospels don't talk like that. He says, I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. We don't know who he is, uh, but the fact that he's called most excellent, a lot of scholars believe that he was in a position of power. Also, you wouldn't have somebody writing a book like this unless you had cash, okay? Like it was very expensive to do this. And so that's why scholars think that maybe uh, Theophilus hired him or uh, was trying to help out. So that, listen, you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I hope that when we get done with the book of Luke, you will walk away with more certainty of what you believe. That this isn't made-up stories. That this isn't four different Gospels and they all kind of tell a different story. That this is really happened. Your Heavenly Father inserted Jesus into a certain time, a certain place, a certain culture. That Jesus was inserted. And the reason he was was to save us from our sin. So um, we're, we're going to kind of be through the first three chapters, but what I want you to understand is this idea that there's a new kingdom, that Jesus ushers in a new kingdom. And uh, just a little background, uh, we were not going to go over the birth of Jesus. We just did that in December. Uh, you guys know the story, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and we've also talked about the birth of John the Baptist, but just as a quick recap, um, uh, those were two miraculous things. John the Baptist was born to, to older parents that, that uh, could not have children. And so an angel came and visited Zechariah while he was serving in the temple and said, you're going you're to have uh, a kid. And he says to the angel, well, how's that going to be? And then, he, and then the angel, this is so unfair, I'm telling you. And the angel goes, oh, you don't believe me? You can't talk until the baby's born, Right? And then the same angel visits Mary, and Mary goes, hey, how can that be? And the angel's like, oh, you'll see, right? That's cold. That's cold. The dude, 
He, he can't talk, and then Mary just gets a pass. Okay, all right, she's the mom of Jesus. She gets a pass. Okay, all right. But, but that, that's, that's what happens. And so you have these, these miracles. And then Luke is trying to decide or trying to uh, uh, explain to us how this kingdom comes about. And the way he describes John the Baptist and the way he describes Jesus. And then before we get to John the Baptist actually in ministry, Luke inserts this wacky story about Jesus when he was 12 years old. Like, I don't know if you ever think about Jesus as a 12-year-old. I remember myself as a 12-year-old, and uh, I was mostly in the principal's office. Like, mo mostly. I don't think Jesus was. But this is a, a, a time that Luke writes down. Now, listen to how the language they use, that even at this young age, I think Luke wants us to understand Jesus is special. Okay? So we're, we jump to Luke chapter 2, and we'll, we'll do all this in order, but we will be skipping quite a bit of uh, verses because there's just too much to go get, get over. And then next week we'll, we'll start in on the calling and uh, Jesus going through his temptations. And so uh, that'll, that'll be a great, uh, great week as well. Um, so, so what happens is every year um, Mary and Joseph and the whole family would do a pilgrimage to the temple, which is a really big deal because it's 130 miles away from where they were. And so they had to walk that with everybody, with the whole family, not just family, but extended family. So you could just kind of picture, I'll bet it would be a group about this size, just all going together to the temple, 130 miles. So they go for the Passover. They start their way back, and they're in it for a day. And Mary and Joseph are like, hey, have you seen Jesus lately? Like, nah, I think, I, think he's with, uh, I think he's with the cousins, you know, because you can imagine you're going, you're walking, you're going to have kids running all around, throwing rocks, doing what kids do, and also you're not paying attention. You're assuming some adult is watching one of the kids at any given time. For those of you who are from a big family, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you have a party or whatever. You're just like, oh, yeah, the kids will be fine. Well, they get a, a, a day away from the Passover, and they just start going, hey, uh, Remember Jesus, the kid we had, right? And so, uh, so here's what happens. They go back, because I, I guess somebody said, last time I saw him, he was in the temple or whatever. They go back, listen to this, after three days. <laughs> Can you imagine moms? Dads would be like, ah, he'll be fine. But moms are like, hey, I really miss my kid. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, I don't know where he was sleeping or what he was eating or whatever. I don't know how this went down. Listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding. And look at this. And his answers. So they're sitting with the son of God asking him questions. A little 12-year-old son of God. Is that amazing? The book of Luke is incredible. And then I think about this. Luke said he did careful inquiry. Who do you think he got this story from? He had to have gotten it from somebody. Now, I'm no biblical scholar, but the only people that would have known this story is people part of Jesus's, Jesus's story, family. I wonder if he got it from Mary. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm just making stuff up right now, but I think that was really cool, the understanding of his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. <laughs> I guess that's a 
good word for it. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Now listen, listen, this is why I brought this in. Your father and I, your father and I, have been anxiously searching for you. And this is the first hint we get from the book of Luke that something's different. Something's completely different. You and I think of father and mother on this earthly thing, but Jesus doesn't think of it that way. Watch. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Don't you know I had to be what? In my father's house. Completely different perspective. Do you remember last week when we talked about repent for the kingdom of God is at, is at hand? We talked about repent means to change your way of thinking, to change your mind. This is what Jesus is ushering in. There's a whole different father. There's a whole different kingdom. There's a whole different way about going about it. Uh, but they did not understand what he was saying to them because they were using the word father and he was using the word father and it made no sense yet, right? Uh, and then I, I put this next verse in there because it is kind of important to know. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, okay? So it wasn't that Jesus was just wandering around all of Israel while he's 12 years old. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, which is the exact same thing they said earlier when the shepherds came to go see Jesus being born. I, mean, I don't know if you remember that, but it says Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And now he's 12 and she's still treasuring all these things in her heart. And that's why I think she told Luke, because she's been mulling over this stuff the whole time. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You have God in a bod. <laughs> you have your heavenly father. You have, you have the God of the universe that comes down in human form that takes the place of a baby and then a, a toddler and then a 12-year-old. And then now he's working it and working it and working it. And he's growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. And man, the kingdom of God is being inserted into our history as human beings. It's, it's amazing to me that the God of the universe would choose to do it this way. And that Jesus would be obedient and obedient and obedient. My, I talk about this quite a bit. The crucifixion of Jesus is horrific, okay? I'm not taking anything away from that. But what amazes me is every single day, every single decision, he made the right one. Every temptation, he said, no, I got something bigger that's coming. There's another kingdom that's much more important than this. So now we get into chapter 3, and it's, this is really cool because Luke is like on fire right now with facts, okay? This would be like if I said, um, hey, remember when uh, Carter was president and uh, Jerry Brown was governor of California and we had the gas, you know, crisis and we had, I, you know, the hostage. Like, if I just kept telling you all these facts, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. This is what Luke is doing. Luke says this, in, listen to how specific he is. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch uh, of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of uh, Iturea, and Trachonitis. You guys, it sounds like a disease, right? Yeah. Are you okay? It's just a little bit of trachonitis. I'm okay, right? 
and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, right? So he's getting so specific that, that God came at this specific time during the high priesthood of Annas and uh, Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, this is John the Baptist, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, listen, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Your heavenly father worked out a way that he sent his own son to come down in the form of a baby, to grow up as a toddler, to grow up as a, as a teenager, right? To follow through with the mission. Repent and be baptized. It's the same message today as it was 2,000 years ago. As a matter of fact, just as a little announcement, uh, if you've never been baptized and you would like to get baptized, we are doing baptisms on Easter. Easter's kind of early this, this year. It's, in, it's at the end of March. And so if you would like to do that, you just send me an email or pull me aside and we will, uh, I'll meet with you. We'll talk about what it really means to be baptized. Baptism is just this outward display of I'm all in. I have died to my old self and I'm raised to walk in newness of life. And so if you'd like to do that, just let, just let me know. But this has been the message from the very, very beginning. Nothing has changed. John the Baptist is preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah to come and save them. Now, their belief was that the Messiah was going to save them from Rome because they were being occupied by Rome at this time. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I uh, will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with, remember I told you he talks about the Holy Spirit, with Holy Spirit and with fire. Isn't that incredible? Uh, uh, and and he, I, what I love about this is uh, uh, how he ushers in the kingdom with these people. Look, watch what he says. So he began saying it to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Would that be awesome if I started my sermon like that? All you guys sit down. You're like, John's a nice guy. And I'm like, you brood of vipers. Make Yeah, right? Who warns you to flee from the coming, from the wrath to come? Therefore, now watch, watch, watch. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. In other words, the kingdom of God is going to start with repentance, and then it's going to transform your life so that you bear much fruit. It's all through the New Testament. Luke is, is inserting this at the very, very beginning. This is the kingdom message. That's why we say belong, believe, be changed. We want to see the Spirit of God moving so mightily in your life that it bears fruit, that your relationships change, that the anxiety you used to have is no longer there, that the fear that you have of the future is no longer there, that you can actually go through an election in 2024 and be calm, okay, regardless of who gets into office, okay? Uh, and so and then he goes on, uh, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham. In other words, that's over now. There's a new kingdom coming. There's a new way. There's a new thing. It, soon, soon the temple is not going to be used. Soon it's going to just be the Lamb of God, right? For I say to you, from these stones, uh, God is able to raise up uh, 
children to Abraham. Now watch, this is so fascinating to me that Luke includes this in his narrative. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, what shall we do? And he would answer them, right? What do you think he'd answer them? Well, repent, he's already said that. But man, wouldn't he say like, um, raise your hand and pray a prayer, uh, like, what, like they're asking, like, we, we want to do something. We feel, we feel guilty. What do we do? Watch what he says. This is incredible. He says, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and he who has food is to do likewise. In other words, this is supposed to transform your entire life, the way you view your possessions, the way you view your time, the way you view uh, uh, what goes on in your mind. This is going to transform everything to practical things. He goes on. Some tax collectors also came to be baptized. And he said, what, what should we do? Right? And he said to them, collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Like, be fair. Have it, ha don't be greedy. Have it portray itself out from your life. This is going to change you. It's going to change the way you do everything. Some soldiers were questioning, right? And what about us? What shall we do? And I love this. This is so awesome. And he said to them, do not take money from anyone by force. Okay, that makes sense. Or accuse anyone falsely. That makes sense. And be content with your wages. Oh, okay. Because it's the kingdom of God. And it's different. And we repent, we change our thinking because the kingdom of God is at hand. We start to look at everything differently. We don't look at our individual rights and what we deserve and self-centeredness. We don't do that. He says, uh, when all the people were baptized, and watch this, and this is why I believe uh, everyone should be baptized because Jesus was baptized, right? Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened up, ready? Here's the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom uh, I love. With you, I am well pleased. You see the Trinity for the very first time. Do you see what Luke is doing? He's taking all these facts and all these different things and ushering in the kingdom for those of us who like to think this way. It's like, wow, this really happened at this specific time with these specific characters in this particular order. Luke 3, 23. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. 30 years of walking on this earth, learning, gaining wisdom, watching, listening, and now he's going to begin his ministry, which we'll start to get to next week. So what does this mean for us? Well, one of the things I want us to remember is that um, this is an historical event. This act, all of this actually happened. And for some of us, when we think about our faith, we, we, we think about faith as almost like we, we kind of have to hope that it's true. But we do not have to hope. The book of Luke should give you some great confidence about your faith. So that's number one. This actually happened in human history. God actually picked a time 400 years after he had spoken last 
and he inserts it into there. That's the one thing. The second thing is this. The gospel is simple. It's really simple. Oftentimes, as, as I'll just speak for the American Christian church, we make things so complicated. The gospel is simply this. The story of Jesus and your story. You're just basically telling two stories. When I share the gospel with someone, I'm not trying to convince them of anything. I just share the story. I don't know how it worked, but after 400 years of silence, my heavenly father decided to send his only son down to earth as a baby to walk among us. We say, Emmanuel, God with us, to show me how to live, to show me uh, uh, how to not be about myself, and then to die for my sins as a sacrifice. And then to break the power of sin and death, he rose again on the third day. And let me tell you how that has impacted my life. That's the gospel. As a matter of fact, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 1. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you know what that means? You don't have to convince anybody of anything as you share your faith. The, the gospel itself is the power. The Holy Spirit goes before you and, 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 and fixes, you, fixes it all. So we, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you're talking to somebody and they're just like, yeah, I, I, it all makes sense to me now. And you're like, I didn't really even do that good of a job. <laughs> but it works. He's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Two stories. The story of Jesus and your story put together. It's very simple. As we go through the book of Luke, I'm hoping that these, this will be the anchor by which uh, we keep coming back. And then finally, I wanted to end on this. Um, it's out of Philippians, and Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. It's actually a thank you letter for a gift they had given uh, him, and so he's writing this letter, and um, uh, it it's incredible because it starts, it really kind of almost riffs on what Luke had written down. Watch what it says. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Who does that sound like? Jesus, right? Watch. Have this attitude in yourself, in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And watch what Paul does. Paul basically summarizes Luke 1 through 3. As the worship band returns. Who, although he existed in the form of God, this baby that came down, this toddler, this teenager, this man in his early 20s, his mid-20s, and then starting his ministry in his 30s, he existed in the form of God. John, how do you explain that? I don't know. I can't. But I can tell you what he's done in my life. I can tell you how, what, the things he's freed me of. I can tell you uh, how I can go to him in the morning to tell him about my day. He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God uh, a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held on to. 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In the, uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to be following Jesus and, 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 and looking at how he performed these, this thing that they write about in Philippians. How he served, how he communicated with people, how he embraced people, who he got angry with, who did he get angry with, who did he have compassion on. And we'll look at his parables, we'll talk about uh, the, as he describes what the kingdom of God really looks like. And so uh, what we're going to do right now is we we end with a, a final song, and um, we just invite you, if anyone wants to come up and kneel and pray, uh, the reason we do that, uh, as I mention almost every week, when I get done preaching, I, I go down and kneel and pray, uh, because I like to just start my week off in a posture of submission, and to just say, Lord, as we go tomorrow, I just want to dedicate this week to you. So I, I do that for you don't have to. You can stay seated. You can stand up. You can sing uh, with part of the song there. Um, but um, uh, but it's, it's open. And then uh, when we're done with that, that time, and uh, Marquise and Lorraine, can you guys pray at the cross? That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we'll have uh, people praying at the cross. So if you'd like someone to lay hands on you or uh, just pray specifically over you, um, uh, they'll be there to do that as well. And then uh, at the end of this song, I'll come back up and bless us. Lord Jesus, wow, we thank you so much for going through all that because you love us. Thank you for all that you do, every single decision that you made, keeping your eyes on the prize of the cross of our salvation deliverance. Lord, we want to be people who repent, who change our thinking for the kingdom of God is right in our midst, right here. We want to grab onto it. So we thank you for that in your precious name.